Welcome to a new podcast for the Truth For Doubt ministry that focuses on uh, church planting and our emotions and feelings and strategies and theology and all those kinds of things that go into church planting. And I'm your host, Michael Badger, and I am joined by uh, Lacey Hunley. Yes, that is it. That's yeah. me. And you may know her husband, Dr. Ethan Hunley, mm. from uh, our other podcast. Mm -hmm. So we're getting the, the other side of things. So now I can learn secres about both of you <laughs> and then hold both of you like in the palm of my hand. <laughs> uh, but so you guys are joining us on our church planning team. That's awesome yes. and amazing. Yes. Wild. It's it's completely unexpected, completely out of left field, but now it just feels super normal and something to be super excited about. So Yeah, isn't yeah. it crazy? Man. <laughs> who would have thought yeah. that wait, when did we when did our families meet? Two years ago? Yeah, like a year and a half ago. Yeah, that blows my mind. Yeah, in small group. Right. Okay, so one of the funniest things is the story of me first telling Ethan about church planning and then mm. him going to you. Mm. So I guess, I guess kind of, can you explain that whole story? Oh, okay, yes. So there is a separate story that we should probably tell somewhere down the line, but um, where like I like foretold that you guys would be best friends and that oh, like y'all really? kind of have been best friends without even knowing each other. Yeah. That's a whole other <laughs> mystical story. <laughs> um, but anyways, so yeah, so, well, I think we, I think it was the day, the first time we ever spent time at y'all's house mm -hmm. and... I think Ethan invited us to y'all's house because he wanted to be that. friends yeah. with you guys. That's what he does. He like goes into your fridge and invites himself to your house. And our little girl Heidi was there and um, she was very young. She was like a year young, I guess. Right. I don't even think we had her pack and play. I think we laid her on y'all's floor in your guest bedroom. Yeah, I think we so. made like a pallet because our conversation yeah. was just going so well. But, and we were, we just had so many we're in this same phase of life mm -hmm. and that's what the conversation kept coming back to is me and Ethan are in this really transitional period. We mm. know we're not going to stay in Jackson, Tennessee for long. And you guys were in the ministry and we were completely in the health care field. Um, right. so we didn't seem like our, it didn't seem like our paths would at, at all merge in any way but you made a joke and you're like wow after you went through your your like calling and your um planning in the future to like plant a church and y'all were even think y'all weren't even thinking about northeast y'all were even thinking about pacific northwest right. yeah yeah which i was like loving that idea and um and other places i guess in northeast as well but um but yeah but you made a joke like you guys should join us and we just kind of like, oh, yeah, yeah. Like, because being married to Ethan, that's what Ethan does. Right. He just, like, says yes and smiles and says yes to three <laughs> things on the same day at the same time. And then I have to that's meet hilarious. him. He's like the perfect Southern gentleman who just, like, says yes and yeah. doesn't really know how to say no. Yeah, yeah, so yeah, funny. yeah. So, um, so then we got in the car and we looked at each other and we, like, both kind of thought the same thing. Mm -hmm. And he just said it. He's like, so that was weird. And I was like, yeah. <laughs> and we just kind of looked at each other with this glimmer in our eyes, and we didn't really say anything yeah. else for, like, the rest of the time. And we just kind of smiled and giggled. Right. Like, we'd just been on a first date or something. <laughs> so, yeah. So that's how it started. But 
and then you kept like nudging Ethan and yeah. asking him, Hey, you should think about it. And you just right. kept like smiling and saying yes. Yeah. And I remember we were, we were vacationing in Chattanooga and, um, which I would love to live in Chattanooga. If we weren't going to Vermont, I would have like twisted his arm into moving us to Chattanooga. Right. Yeah. Chattanooga is so, amazing. It really great. is. And I feel like technically we're kind of moving to like the Vermont <gasps> version of Chattanooga in a way. So yes. yeah. yeah, almost, almost there. It's true. It really is true. Yeah, it has a lot of the same good, wonderful things. But, um, yeah, but we were there, and we were walking, and you sent a text. I think y'all were in Maine or something mm. at the time. Mm-hmm. And he just kind of looked at me and said, I don't know. This just sounds crazy. I don't – I feel like I shouldn't, like, entertain him anymore. And <laughs> on my side, I was really sad when he said that. I was like – right oh, were we just like, was this just a joke? And we were just like, I was kind of sad when he said that. And Mm -hmm. so I said, well, maybe let's, you wanted us to go and visit. And I said, well, maybe let's just take a vacation to the Northeast. Why not? Mm -hmm. And if God wants to like, you know, send a huge sign to us. Right, right. And sure, like, let's give God the opportunity to talk to us. (laughs) Yeah. So that's when I was like, we can't just, we can't just put Michael off. We have to at least give him a definite answer. And if we say no, we have to have a reason why we're saying no. So I think that was a part the point that we actually started entertaining the idea. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. I never was like quite sure where you guys were (laughs) like until, uh, like until after, after that trip. And then even a little bit after that trip, when you guys were, um, you know, praying through your decision and all of that. But I will have, you know, that I think when it comes to like our, church planting team like Kayla and I have some of the most effective prayers in the whole world because like we were praying for you and Ethan for a long time and then we started praying for Katie and Paul and and now God is kind of working all things together so it's it's just kind of uh I mean that's actually obviously not on Kayla and I but it's just amazing seeing God like work through prayer and work to bring this team together and it's just Oh man, it gives me goosebumps <laughs> to think about. It. It's so cool. It sounds like you guys pray like I pray. I pray in this way of like, I'll be like, God, I think this is a good idea. <laughs> I really hope we're on the same page here. Right, yeah. And you think this is a good idea too. Yeah. So I just want to know your answer. Right. But like, I, th- I think you think it's a good idea. <laughs> yeah, yeah, pretty and much. then I figure out later on, and sometimes he'll just kind of like, he won't even answer. He'll just kind of like stare at me and mm-hmm. be like, and smile and do that thing for a while. And yeah. then I'm like, oh no, that was a dumb idea. That was such a dumb idea. And then later on, he'll be like, no, I'm just messing. That was a good <laughs> idea. I'll answer your prayer. That's so, so fun. That sounds like you guys. <laughs> yeah. Well, okay. So for Kayla and I, church planting was like pretty much since we got married, even before yep. we got married, like that was the track that we were on. Um, mm-hmm. The where kind of changed because we thought we were going to be in Europe. And then when we were over in Europe, God called us back to the United States. Um, but regardless, we still knew that we were going to be moving somewhere and that uh, West Tennessee was just kind of just a, a stop along the way. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it was, wasn't like this really big life change or this big like mental, emotional change in our hearts. Um, so for you guys, it's totally different. I mean, you guys kind of knew that you were going to be moving around a little bit for Ethan's work and then or for Ethan's, uh, what do they call that thing that he's in Residency. right now? Residency. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you guys knew you're doing that and then moving afterwards. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but church planning was a different idea. So like when you guys realized that, okay, yes, this is what we're going to do. Like, what was that to like emotional journey? Like, was it like, was it terrifying? Was it like exciting? Was it, uh, all of the above? So it would, the answer would definitely be different for both Ethan and I, but on my end it was, Okay, maybe it would be the same. <laughs> it was definitely both fear and excitement. Right, yeah. Um, on my end, it was a little bit more secu- more of a secure feeling, I think, because for me, it's not my job that's moving us. Mm. So the pressure isn't all on me. You know, I'm sure. not the head of the household, per se, in um, finances and job. Right. And, I have the flexibility to stay home. Mm-hmm. So for me, I'm looking for those other aspects of life. I'm looking for what does my like local community feel like? Yeah. And right. what is my job in the local community? Yeah. Um, I'm a speech therapist by trade. Um, but I don't always work as a speech therapist since I'm sometimes a mom and sometimes a church member or whatever. So mm-hmm. Um, so I think it was a little bit more exciting for me because it would give me more of a mission and a direction of like what my purpose is, you know, in the community. Um, if I moved to a Christian community or like predominantly Christian, you know, Bible belts kind of community, Mm -hmm. um, I think I was a little bit more hazy on what my purpose was, um, in that community, like right. specifically, yeah. what are my duties here? You yeah. know, do I just become a faithful member? And um, I, I remember once we kind of threw around the idea before we ever met you guys of maybe going to the um, Midwest. I almost said the Middle East. <laughs> <laughs> Not that far away. <laughs> very different yeah. communities. The, the Midwest, just because it seemed like it, we could have both the best of both worlds. We Mm. can still have this kind of, they still have this, um, not a Southern culture, but that like, still kind of like a religious understanding or undergirding to their, like their way of life. Yeah. Yeah. Are you talking about like specifically with, uh, um, like going out and, uh, shoot, um, like Utah, like for instance, where you have like a, um, heavily religious community, even if it's not Christian. Yeah. That kind of feel. Yeah. Honestly, I just wanted 50-50. I yeah. wanted to have access to unbelievers and access to believers, kind of right. like high school was. Yeah, yeah. Um, I feel like now we're pretty. it's pretty easy to be homogenous wherever we go, and that was something mm, that was mm-hmm. important to me. Number one, like diversity, and that doesn't have to be specifically racial diversity, but sure. religious diversity, right. um, cultural diversity, that was really important to me. And so when we started going down the avenue of Nashville or Chattanooga, mm-hmm. those kind of things started to fall away, which made me nervous. So yeah. I will say at first, excitement for me was um, was an initial reaction. Mm-hmm. But the main fear reaction that I had was just that, like, who am I? And I always say, who do I think I am? Like, who do I think I am? <laughs> yeah move into this place being an example of Christ Mm -hmm. when I don't think I am, (laughs) Mm -hmm. you know, um, the pressure is on. Like, I think I put pressure on myself to like 
I need to be this certain level of perfection before I'm going to go out into the field. Right. Yeah. And I do not have my ducks in a row. So maybe you should send somebody else. <laughs> sure. Yeah. I think that's a common fear. I mean, that's definitely a fear that, uh, that I struggle with all the time. Mm -hmm. um, and there's this book that I think I've told you guys about, and I've sent you like some like pictures of it, but it's called Dangerous Calling by Paul David Tripp. Mm -hmm. And it's just all about, um, it's about pastoral ministry, but like it, it can be about like just anybody in any sort of ministry. And it talks about the different pitfalls and stuff that you can fall into. And one of those things is, is yeah, that feeling of inadequacy, like constantly thinking that like you aren't good enough to be doing the thing that you're doing. And we totally lose sight of that. I mean, yeah, we are called to be spiritually mature. So like that is, you know, setting that where it is. Um, but the things that we're going to be doing, it's not going to be through our own power. It's going to be first and foremost, uh, Jesus Christ working through us to reach other people. Mm -hmm. And, uh, but there's always that, like that feeling of like, you always have to reach like the next level of Christianity before <laughs> you're allowed to go and do things. Um, and so I think that's a common fear that holds a lot of people back from stuff like this. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, do I want to do that to the people of Vermont? <laughs> that the only way they have access to the gospel is through me. No, <laughs> no. Um, okay. Well, that brings up a question in my mind. What was the turning point for you? Mm -hmm. Like what was, whether it was in high school or something, what was that turning oh, yeah. point that was like, oh yeah, I want to do that for the rest of my life. Um, yeah. So I, I mean, this is kind of going back in time a lot. So, like, I was saved and baptized when I was, like, seven or eight, I think. Mm -hmm. But because of family circumstances and, uh, and a bunch of different things that were going on, um, like, I kind of just, you know, fell away uh, from the faith for a little while. And that kind of lasted all the way up until high school um, when I kind of had this, uh, like, the Holy Spirit just, like, pulled me back to God and, uh, and I guess, re- uh, relit the fire for, for God in me. Um, but it was actually really through my friend, uh, his name's Gerald. Um, it was really God using him to make me understand the need for Christians to actually share their faith. So Gerald was, um, he was not a Christian and he, he would like call himself an atheist sometimes he would call himself like a zen buddhist sometimes he just kind of went with whatever like his religious feelings were for the week and uh, but he was like one of my best friends uh, and he was great but um we often had like lunch at school together and we would always talk about um his reasons for not believing my reasons for believing and all these different kinds of things. And it was through conversations with Gerald that I realized that I think this is what I need to be doing. Mm -hmm. um, and then I also got involved with uh, a place called Camp Ioka, which is um, uh, just kind of a, a Christian camp in East Tennessee, mm -hmm. where I met uh, some of my best friends that I still have today. And they were also influential in uh, calling me to the ministry and all that kind of stuff because um, mm. they were kind of on the same path themselves. Mm. Oh, okay. And, uh, Would they say things to you like, hey, you should consider this, or were you already considering it and they were just like affirming it? I was already considering it and they were affirming it. Okay. Um, and then, uh, uh, and then, yeah, we started talking about how we all wanted to go to Bible college and, and stuff like that, and so they, they definitely encouraged me there. And then I went to Bible college, but I still didn't really know what I actually wanted like to do. Um, and, uh, so during one of like the missions classes that 
at the school, I think, if I'm remembering right, you just take a missions class as part of like your introductory classes or whatever. Um, I, I read the book that I think you're going through right now, which is Radical by David oh, yeah. Platt. <laughs> and then that book just completely wrecked me and made me feel like... like a, exactly right, yeah. Uh, it just made me feel like I need to sell everything I've ever owned so in my whole life and then just go on this journey to, uh, to share the gospel with people. Um, but it was, it was honestly, it was that. I think that, um, I think that the, the thought of missions was kind of in my head already because I went to Holland for soccer in high school one time and, uh, and I just kind of liked uh, Europe but in that class I started learning a little bit more about Europe and uh, how it's at least Christian continent and all that kind of stuff so it was it was kind of just like this steady drip of things mm-hmm. throughout my life that God called me to do uh, to do missions and church planting it wasn't really like this one aha moment it was just yeah. kind of like this like God steadily revealing his plan for my life That's over amazing. like a course of several years. Yeah. Some people like, yeah, that's amazing. I, it's like when I made a, the decision to go down whatever, whatever path, like for me, it was, you know, going to school for speech therapy. It was never, it was never a question of what's my purpose or it was never a question of what does God want for me or like what does God want me to do Mm -hmm. like um it was more of like I have the freedom to do anything on earth and God just wants me to do what I feel excited about or passionate about and then my parents were like also make sure you can be financially stable in in case you never get married or if you get married and Mm. your husband gets tragically killed so I feel like I never really considered like how what I could do for the cause of Christ mm. it was do the best you can with the gifts that you have and serve Christ wherever that leads you right which is a way of doing it mm-hmm. you know um but I started I started realizing I think my passion for God has started to eclipse my passion for anything else right and I if you know me <laughs> Passion is like the number one descriptor of me. Um, (laughs) Literally, I knew I wanted to marry Ethan when I asked, when he first told me he liked me. And my question, or my response was a question, and I said, Why? (laughs) (laughs) And he said, Because you're passionate. And I was like, Oh, that's hilarious. So that's a compliment from you. It had usually not been a compliment from others. Uh So, um, so yeah, so when I started realizing, oh, I'm not passionate about anything except those times where I'm at summer camp or mm-hmm. those times when I'm helping out in youth ministry or kids ministry, the main times in my life, the meter of passion is whenever I'm crying happy tears, it's always having to do with something about the gospel or something about something incredible that God's done. Mm. So, um, and while I try to be as cerebral as I am emotional, <laughs> I guess I guess my passion is something I prefer to follow. And so I guess my passion is ministry or mm-hmm. just being involved with people and God at the same time. So. Right, right. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think, man, that like brings up this book that I just um, started trying to get into. Um, and it's, uh, it's by Jonathan Edwards and it's called Religious Affections. Mm-hmm. And it's all about that. It's all mm-hmm. about trying to... Uh, 
make sure that your affections, which is uh, just kind of his word for like your will, mm -hmm. the things that you're like passionate about and that you really want to do, yeah. um, to like to make sure that they are equal to that of uh, I guess your your understanding of like religion and in the sense of like you know theology and, and doctrine and all that kind of stuff because he recognized in his day that there was this um, falling to one side of just this uh, desire to only have this cold-hearted theology and mm -hmm. following God mm -hmm. but doing it without any sort of passion behind mm -hmm. it um, and then on the other side you have this uh, these people who were uh, following their emotions but they didn't have anything else like really to like to undergird it and it was yeah. they're just kind of they built their castle on sand yeah. and uh, um, and so Jonathan Edwards is writing this book to just trying to bring those two together and like mm -hmm. show that they're supposed to be one in the same and it's just uh, and so that that just kind of reminds me of that, and it's cool being able to see, uh, to to see you and Ethan both really, mm -hmm. you know, f make your uh, passions and your understanding of the gospel like one and the same, and and yeah. going to Vermont to to make that happen. It's really cool. Yeah, I noticed that Ethan becomes impassioned mm. when he considers the things of God, yeah. but he's typically void of passion <laughs> and just full of sweetness and laid backness. <laughs> mm -hmm. But, um, but I find the only times I've ever seen him really passionate are about our three ministry. Mm -hmm. And that's like always what I love getting from him. Yeah. Um, so I think that was a big, I don't know if I've told you this, but I'm, I'm sure I have, but like when people ask me, hey, does it kind of, and I mean, these aren't like, this isn't everyone, but mm -hmm. a few times we've had the question, hey, it kind of seems like you're just following a couple of friends right. because you just want to like, just hang out, not be alone. Yeah. Right. yeah you just want to like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Let's just hang out in Vermont. We've got that one too. Yeah. It has snowball fights. Um, <laughs> but whenever I get that question, I'm like, no, mm -hmm. no, no, no. Well, yes, but no. All right. It's a both <laughs> because, and. Yes, because what happened was um, <laughs> when I when we first moved here, um, I was super lonely and I was super pregnant. That whenever we moved here, I just found out we were pregnant, mm -hmm. um, and I remember being so lonely, but also realizing Ethan was so lonely, mm -hmm. and um, I prayed for him to have um, a friend. And and mainly for spiritual accountability yeah. and just to have someone because he's always had that he's always had a little mm -hmm. gaggle of bros right. all around him <laughs> oh, gaggle like bros. yeah <laughs> typically that he like grew up with but yeah. um, but I was praying for that and I remember my friend I called an older friend kind of mentor mm. um, and she was saying yeah sometimes guys just don't need that you know like her husband doesn't really need that mm -hmm. and I got off the phone and I was like I think Ethan does need that yeah and I right. think I'm gonna pray for it so when you came and that other story that we can tell later but I knew that you guys were going to be friends and I just wanted to hook you guys up mm -hmm. but I didn't know it at the time that you were an answer to prayer but as we started going along and moving forward with the, this whole Vermont thing God just like 
kind of put like a duh Lacey like in front of my face like yeah. loser like did you not realize this is the answer to prayer because I started sure. doubting when people would ask hey is are you just following friends I'm like yeah. maybe I am mm-hmm. but then I said no this is an answer to prayer like mm-hmm. I prayed for someone that could be this spiritual partner with Ethan um, another man and so yeah we'll have that yeah. So and thanks. That's, no, hey, and it's an answer to prayer for for me too because yeah. I'm I'm the I was the exact same way as Ethan because uh, growing up I always had like my best friends mm-hmm. uh, and it's one of the hardest things. Uh, so I moved to Germany uh, six years ago, I think, and I and I was over there for a year and I thought mm-hmm. that I was leaving for at the very least three years and honestly one of the hardest parts of moving away was moving away from my friends yeah. uh, because they were yes. just like, they were my, like my entire support structure. They were my, um, like you said, the, um, uh, spiritual, oh shoot, what's the, what's the word that you used? Um, accountability. accountability. Like they were my, yeah, they were my accountability guys and all this stuff. And so moving away from them was really difficult. And then even now, um, when we first moved here, it was like I was still away from him, and it was it was still really difficult because we could only really talk on the phone, and mm-hmm. then we'll, like mm-hmm. I would see him for just a few minutes when we go back, uh, go back to Knoxville, but uh, but like yeah, like so Ethan uh, and Paul, um, and, well and Robert have all been just a huge answer to prayer, and I think that I'm a huge believer that God puts people in yes. each other's lives for uh, like real reasons and not just like these people who are just going to pass through and that um Mm -hmm. like if you really are able to meet uh other couples or meet um even singles who you really connect with and you know that god brought you into each other's lives for a reason man why not do ministry with them like that is like the ultimate thing that you guys can be doing together uh as as brothers and sisters in christ and so i've always thought that Mm -hmm. uh and uh, and so it's just unbelievably exciting to actually mm-hmm. see it come to fruition. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, but okay, so this is going back a little bit to your calling to um, to Vermont. Mm-hmm. So one of the things that I've always found really cool and amazing about your story is actually what you said in a video that we made a mm-hmm. little bit ago. Yeah. Um, of the, I guess the the way that God actually called you specifically, not just yeah. Ethan, but but yeah. you specifically, yeah. to uh, know that church planning in Vermont is something that you want to do. Do you mind like actually yeah. going through that story again? I know I've had you do it like thirteen times. Yeah, but. no, that's good. No, that's fine. Um, yeah, so I had this like, I think I I typically refer to it as my second salvation experience. Like I knew the heart of God when God kind of showed me my passion for orphan care. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had, I remember, it, I felt like a baby Christian. And I I don't know if I ever had that initial salvation experience, but this time was huge. And I mm-hmm. knew I wanted to foster or adopt or, I mean, I mean, I... I remember considering, do I need to build an orphanage? And then I started researching. I was like, oh, apparently orphanages (laughs) aren't that great of a system. So um, anyways, but I remember reading books about orphan care, listening to podcasts. I still do. Mm -hmm. Um, And anytime there's a song or a line in a song about 
you know, us being adopted or, or, I mean, every time I cry. And, um, so that was probably maybe five years ago. Mm -hmm. And I kind of assumed that Nashville would lead us to like me being able to like work for an orphan care organization or, Mm -hmm. um, I figured I needed to like shadow um, or work for CASA or something. Anyways, Mm -hmm. all these ideas running through. I actually tried to apply to be a volunteer, but no one answered me or got back to me. So, um, yeah, so, um, so nothing ever came of it, but I knew that passion was there and I was having a conversation with someone. Um, and I don't remember if he said anything, but I was basically asking him, how do you know if you're called Mm. to missions or ministry? And his answer was really just, you just come to a fork in the road where you have a decision and you just make the decision. And do I stay here? Or in his case, do I go to Slovenia? And he chose to go to Slovenia. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and do I help build a church or do I join an organization with a church already built? You know, he just right. he just made a bunch of decisions. And while he was talking, I remember thinking, okay, I love orphan care. How can I do orphan care in Vermont? And when I asked that question, I instantly felt like an idiot, but... Um, because I started thinking, wait a second, how do I do orphan care in Vermont? Where are there orphans in Vermont? And I started thinking spiritually, like through God's Mm. eyes. And I was like, well, spiritually, they're nearly all spiritual orphans. And I started getting really choked up thinking about the, the, how much I'm heartbroken for physical, actual orphans mm-hmm. and how that just guts me every time. Mm. And then I started thinking of that on a spiritual term. I mean, we're all children at some point, in, right. you know, in our lives and thinking all of these children of God mm-hmm. that have been orphaned that don't know that they have a father that loves them. You know, this isn't a father that abandoned them. This is a father that's calling out for them. Right. Yeah. And... I just lost it. And I was like, oh, (laughs) now I know how I can have a passion for evangelizing and church planting. Like when I thought of that, it just wrecked me. Mm -hmm. And I was able to, now I can go to that part in my passion center of my brain when I think of that. Um, Yeah. So I think that was a huge turning point for me. Yeah, absolutely. That's uh, that's one of the man. Like, and I'll probably have you tell that story a lot, like throughout <laughs> our okay. like time it. church yeah. planning, because yeah. I think it's such a, a powerful statement. Because I mean, mm-hmm. yeah, like, I mean, according to like the latest polls, like between one to five percent of the people in in Vermont, they they claim that they are either like the nuns, like they have no religious affiliation at mm-hmm. all. Um, or they're atheists, um, and yeah, they're in that desperate need for for that spiritual father to be adopted into the family of God, and um, and yeah, like when you so like for Kayla and I, um, we kind of both never really like had this strong draw to any particular place, mm-hmm. um, and we've told you this before, but um, so 
I think a lot of times it's, it, it sounds kind of cold, but often for us, and I think the reason why we chose to go to Vermont, like it was kind of like a cold numbers kind of thing. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> like we wanted to be where we believed that we were needed the most. Mm-hmm. And uh, all Don't the numbers, all yeah, right, yeah, yeah. And, uh, and the numbers pointed to Vermont and it was just like, okay, this is the least Christian place in the entire United States. And so why, like, why would we want to go anywhere else? Like this place is the, the most needy right now spiritually and, uh, and we desperately want to go. And I think it's like, so I think God works through people differently, obviously. And he uses sometimes these cold numbers to like, like, like Jonathan Edwards, he, he uses that coldness and then starts bringing my will and my affections along with it. And so now like I have a, a much more, uh, I guess, broken feeling and this much more heartfelt, uh, heartfelt feeling yeah. for Vermont, where before it was just like, well, obviously we're going to go there because that's where the numbers lead. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's, it's cool how God uses different things to, uh, to draw different people. Um, but uh, yeah, man, good stuff. Yeah. Gosh. Yeah. Um, I think that's a good place to, to wrap it up. Um, so we plan on having more of these conversations that kind of revolve around uh, our journey of church planting and uh, a bunch of different things that kind of revolve around that. So stay tuned for uh, more information. And uh, if you want to check out our ministry, you can go to truthfordoubt.com. Uh, we have officially a church planting page now. It's still a work in progress, and I'm still working on getting everything up, but you can at least see kind of an overview of uh, what we plan on doing and what our vision is and all that kind of stuff. Um, and you can see that at truthfordoubt.com churchplanting. So thank you so much for listening, and uh, we hope to talk to you soon.